0: Support for Great Minds is provided by The Wine Store, located at 1200 Central Avenue in Naples. The Wine Store offers a unique selection of wines from small production, artisan, and family-owned wineries. Their in-store wine education center hosts classes for the novice and connoisseur alike. Details are at thewinestorenaples.com. Welcome to Grape Minds, the wine-centric podcast that looks beyond what you find every day in the glass to the much more interesting world of the people that make it happen, the history of the grapes, the region, and the culture behind what is in that glass. I'm Gina
1: Birch. And I'm Julie Glenn. Gina and I recently attended the 11th annual Southwest Florida Wine and Food Fest, where $1.9 million mm. were raised for children's charities and children's behavior and mental health services at the Galasano Children's Hospital.
0: Yeah, you know, over the past 11 years since they've been doing this, um, Southwest Florida Children's Charities Inc. has raised more than $26 million. It is, you know, it has been over the years and one of the top grossing, top 10 grossing wine auction, those types of charities in in the U.S. It, uh, the event hosts vintners. They come from all over the United States, of course. And at the event, Julie and I have attended on a somewhat regular basis over the years, including this year. We've been able to meet a lot of them, see a lot of them,
1: make some great friends. It's been great. And And then also the local chefs show up every year too. Um, And then they uh, bring their little snacks so that you can – Lay a little foundation while you're tasting all that wine. <laughs> right. Of course, the auction itself is always really entertaining, and at this year's auction, we caught up with some of our longtime wine friends and made some new ones. Yeah. Now, you know, I've been a friend of William Sellyan Winery in Sonoma
0: for years, and I know Julie, you're a fan of them too. And and they have also been one of these longtime supporters of the Southwest Florida uh, Wine and Food Fest. They were even the signature ventner one year. So when we saw they were coming again this year, we got really excited. Before things got too crazy, we were actually able to catch up with winemaker Jeff Mangahas and uh, find out. Out more about his Pinot Noirs, why Sonoma makes such good ones in the characteristics of grapes grown in different
1: areas of the valley. Okay, so my question is, when it comes to Sonoma, there's so many little pockets that have very different flavors in Pinot Noir. Yep. Can you give me like a rundown, like Sonoma Coast, Russian River, Absolutely. Sonoma County General?
2: Yeah. yeah, it's a really dynamic region. Um, you know, the prehistorically, there was a lot of tectonic you know activity created all these different undulations in the soil and fractured you know the soil there's volcanic activity all sorts of things happening so yeah there are different microclimates um, as a consequence of that and the wines taste very different Uh, what's very interesting you know the fog if you if anybody's ever been to that region the fog really comes in from the south of um, kind of the Russian River AVA, and then it sort of starts to spread out. So depending on where you are, if you're the furthest point where our winery is, where there's a little bit of fog effect, you know that has a an impact on the wine. When you're closer to where that fog comes in, the fog hangs out a little bit longer. It's a cooler climate, so the wines taste a little brighter, a little bit more red fruits as opposed to darker fruits. So it's uh, it's really dynamic. Green Valley, you know, I've got a Chardonnay uh, that you tasted already that uh, comes from a really sandy soil. That was an ocean-bottom soil that got uplifted, and it creates a real minerality in the wine. And it's interesting because you can even find fossilized oyster shells (laughs) in that soil, and it's called Gold Ridge Sandy Loam. When you're up near our winery, you're up on West Side Road, you get more of some red, gravelly, volcanic, decomposed volcanic soils um, that create you know, more of a tight-knit tannin structure to the wines. So is
1: your minor in geology?
2: <laughs> um, well, as, as, a as a winemaker, actually, my my, my um, original background, I, I came from the scientific field. I was a cancer research biologist, and so science was always sort of interesting to me. Um, and certainly as a winemaker, geologist, you're um, a meteorologist, You know, you're a fortune teller, you're, you know, all sorts of things. I mean, there's so many different aspects, but I do value my scientific background, which, you know, that teaches me not so much. I mean, the chemistry, all that sort of stuff, but it's the detailedness that science brings to the table. And winemaking is ultimately about detailedness, uh, being able to execute. And that's why I think William Sellium is super successful. You know, we're we're very very focused on details. It's
1: kind of fun. You kind of also get to be an artist. You know,
2: absolutely. So yeah, you don't be
1: all super sciency.
2: Yeah, e- exactly. And and <laughs> from my perspective, even though I have a science background, I came to wine as a lover of wine. Right. So I was more introduced into wines from Burgundy and Bordeaux at a you know relatively early in my career, and that had a profound impact on. Who I am today so the science helps but I definitely approach everything from from an artistic perspective and just also a sense of why wines taste the way they do from certain places and that's you know I make 19 different Pinot Noirs from different individual vineyards and they're all different, which is pretty amazing.
0: Is that hard to keep track for you? I mean, I mean nineteen different same varietal. It's like people that have nineteen kids maybe. Yeah.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, absolutely. No, it's it's not because each one, when you're true to how you make the wine and, and a sort of a non-interventionist approach the wine's true expressiveness come out and each one of you if we were able to taste it would be an an epic tasting, tasting all nineteen different Pinot Noirs side by side they would all be very different. Not just a little, but a lot, because the soils are different, the climates are different, um, and that's... The places they come from. Yeah, and that's... Which t- one's
1: the biggest? Like, the biggest, roundest, full-bodiest, well, fullest-bodied? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, I think you would have to... You mentioned the Sonoma Coast, wines that are grown out on the true coast that grow up at, you know, 12 to 1400 foot elevation. Um, The plants really struggle to ripen. They tend to have a very concentrated, you know, texture, lots of tannin. Uh, So those are kind of the the real full-bodied wines. Uh, We make a really awesome, awesome wine called Precious Mountain, uh, which is, um, you know, the yields are very low, tiny, tiny berries. And that's a wine that frankly lives for, 20, 25 years, you know, if you want to hold on to it that long. So
1: who's the leanest, the leanest of the beans? Me. <laughs> yeah, me too. I wish I could In my that. dreams. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, the leanest wines, it, it depends. Um, I think Russian River wines can be more lean. Um, it's interesting because out on the coast, a lot of those wines, because it's a cooler climate, they tend to hang out on the vine a little bit longer, so they respire more of their acidity. So from a technical perspective, the coastal wines you know, have a lot of tannin, but they typically have less acidity, as where Russian River is more balanced in, in their growing conditions, and so they tend to have a little bit more acidity. So I, I tend to think of Russian River as being more acidic.
1: It seems like maybe the winemaking style there is perhaps heavier-handed, because they seem kind of really... Bigger. Big. In try. Russian River? Yeah. Depends on the
2: house, you know, and, and our you know, our, our, our style is freshness, um, leanness, you know, I don't want to connote sort of the wrong impression with that, but it's, you know, our wines are bright,
3: Yeah, and
2: that's, you know, alcohols are typically between 13 and a half to 14, which is, I think, the sweet spot, Yeah, um, as where, you know, I think when you're picking a lot riper, you're losing the essence of the place. If so that this makes is the sense. Sonoma County. So that's our Sonoma County 2017. It's just in our it's release bright. right now. It. It's, really it's bright. It's it's an e- it's sort of our easy drinking entry level wine, right? So in California, but it's
1: really good. It's better than anybody else's entry level. I mean, you
2: it, know, it's amazing it's cause this a, it because this is
1: you're here. <laughs> so it's,
2: this is a thirty nine dollar bottle of wine in California, nice. and it goes up, and we go up all the way up to. A hundred,
0: 110. Yeah. Um, and I've got a couple of those in my cellar. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. <laughs>
2: um, it's, that's what this wine, you know, we want to introduce people to the style. This represents William Silliam's style, the coolness of the fruit from the, from the growing regions, the brightness, and just, it's delicious.
1: Again, that was William Selium winemaker Jeff Mangahas, who now has some new neighbors, Thompson 3150 Wines. We also talked to the owner there, Mike Thompson. He reiterates the importance of place, and specifically the West Side Road location in Sonoma that Jeff also spoke about.
4: Originally from Houston, Texas, and um, later on moved to Florida in the Panhandle. And then six years ago, my wife and I bought a property at 3150 West Side Road. We planted Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. And we followed our dream. And so we became a small producer. It's just the two of us. We have a winemaker, Patrick Sullivan. Uh, vineyard manager had been um, Ulysses Valdez, who passed away last year. He planted our vineyard. And now Lee Martinelli, Jr. is our new vineyard manager. So we've been really blessed on the vineyard side. Two very famous people.
0: you got some rock stars rock helping you stars.
4: out. absolutely. And this is our fifth vintage that we're pouring today. And uh, we've been really, really blessed. We uh, are about to bottle 1,100 cases of Pinot and Chard and Rosé. And uh, in the barrel from the 18 vintage is 3,000 cases. Wow. So That's we, quite a
1: growth. Quite a growth. Yeah. And,
4: and it's bigger than we ever thought we would be. We're probably scaled back to 2,500. We want to be a small boutique producer. We thought West Side Road was an important address. The 3,150 came from that because... Jeff at William Salem, obviously, Arista, Rocchioli, Gary Farrell, Thomas George, a lot of famous people on that road. We wanted to be on that road. So here we are, and we're just little people. We have a private tasting room by appointment. People can come see us. We've got an outdoor kitchen with the pizza oven. We'll do flatbreads for you and hang out, and then you can go through our whole portfolio with us um, just by contacting us at our website, thompson3150.com.
0: All right. What is it about West Side Road? Because you said William Selium, uh there's so many great vineyards. Yeah. What is it about the West there's,
4: Side? There's something about the, the climate, the, the terroir. Uh, it just seems to be a microclimate that travels about 15 miles there that we just fell in love with years ago. And when we got to the end, we said, we, we got to be on this road. And we had to find a property that wasn't developed because everything is sold on West Side how Road. How hard was
1: that to find, though? I mean, how hard, when did you buy that?
4: We bought it in 2013. And we amazing if there's we,
1: anything even
4: there. We looked for five years. And the only reason we found this was because it was not planted and no one was paying attention to it. We had to make it into something. Yeah. It, it, was, it was beautiful uh, views, and, but there was nothing on it. The guy was hitting golf balls on the property. So we thought, we'll we'll make it into what we want to make it into. And that's
0: our that was Mike Thompson, owner of Thompson 3150 Wines in Sonoma. You know, I noticed Sonoma was very well represented at this auction, Julie. Did you notice that as
1: well? Yeah, you kind of had to go out of your way to find Napa. But there was Napa represented a little bit, but there was definitely uh, more Sonoma for sure. Yeah. Our final interview
0: before the music got too loud and the people so rudely interrupted asking to taste the wine from the vintners that were there. And we uh, we got to speak to Molly Meeker.
1: The nerve of those people I interrupting know. our interview process. Jeez. Anyway, Meeker is a winery that's really well known for testing lesser known grapes and it's truly a family operation. Both of us know Lucas really mm-hmm. well. We've known him for years and uh, that's Molly's son. And you had known Molly before, but I never got to meet her until now. She's so cool, isn't she? You know, she's just as awesome as everyone always told me that she was. And I was always hoping that I could get to meet Mm -hmm. her eventually, and I was so glad to get to do so uh, this past weekend. It was great. Let's listen to that conversation now.
3: So So let's talk about this new white wine that you, you, you said it's an experiment. It was an experiment from 2017. Um, it is Verdello, which is a, it's a Portuguese grape. And in Portugal, they usually use it for making Madeira. Mm-hmm. But we made a straight-up white wine with it, which, who knew? It turns out it has a really nice tropical nose, mm. a great citrusy finish. And the main thing is is that it's a very unpretentious, easy-drinking white for all summer long. I um, think I could go through
0: a, not just a glass, but
1: like a bottle of this in a day. call
3: it a porch pounder. Yeah, yeah it oh, is yes. definitely...
1: Gina has, you guys simultaneously came up with the same term, porch bounder. It's one of my
3: favorites. Or, or my son also calls it a patio priority. Ooh, that's so much more sophisticated. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so where did you get these grapes? Are you planting They come it? from, no, no. This comes from a, a single vineyard in Contra Costa County on the uh, Sacramento River Delta. And uh, we actually got introduced to it because Lucas is making some wine for some other people. He's doing custom crush work, and one of his custom crush clients wanted the fruit, And but the, the gentleman who owned the vineyard didn't want to sell just a chunk of it. He wanted to sell all of it to one place, and so we bought the other
1: half, and that's how we got started. Well, that worked out pretty good. Yeah. Meeker has kind of a tradition for playing with unusual varieties, so is this like a continuation of that tradition? Yes,
3: we actually... Um, My husband, when he was the winemaker, always had one experiment every year with either a new varietal or a new way of treating a varietal that we already had but hadn't done it that way before. Lucas has extended that tradition and, in fact, has named a series of wines HONE, H-O-N-E, in honing our skills. Mm -hmm. And so HONE 1 and HONE 2 were, the first one was Sakura, which was a... Blend of four traditional sort of Sonoma County Italian family red field blend of Zinfandel, Petite Syrah, Grenache, and Carignan. And then he added as the fifth grape, Viognier. Mm. So it act the viognier acts sort of like when you squeeze lime juice on a honeydew melon and it brightens up the rest of the fruit. The yeah. viognier did that for those big old Italian blonde. Field blending reds that's, cool. that's, that's, that's very cool it was delicious yeah. so when
1: you do those I mean, kinds of experiments like that are those ones that are available through um, the mar- out in the traditional market uh, are those always winery direct because I mean you,
3: I can't imagine you make a whole lot of it no it's, you, I think for Sakura we only made 125 cases Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah so, so typically it's from the tasting room and to our wine, wine club
0: so let's talk about your handprint, because oh, yes. that's your that's your signature to our, go to. It it's... is our
3: flagship, and after the first vintage was 1991. So it's been around a while now. It is still our number one seller, um, and it is still the most important wine that we get right. Because when you have a package that looks like that, you can't have a second-tier wine in it. It has to be really good stuff, or people are not just disappointed, they get angry.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, the they feel
3: like they've been taken by the package.
1: I've felt and that way before about certain things, and I'm yeah. not going to name names. But yeah, I've had yeah, no,
3: packages well, and it's not where just I'm like, wine. come on. Food or, yeah. or cosmetics. Yeah. Sometimes you get those things where they come in the frosted bottle mm. and it's you know one hundred and forty seven bajillion dollars so like and you every think it's the gonna...
1: cream in the world that yeah. is not taken away my wrinkles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And I want to know how much
0: paint you've had under your fingernails over the years. <laughs> oh, you we spent no,
1: no, no.
3: Well, yes, on the on the fifteen liter bottles, oh, on the large formats when we have more than one or two sets of handprints. Um, Then everybody in the winery gets involved But um, not so much Back in the mid-90s We started using exam gloves So we don't so much get it We get get it everywhere else On your body But not so much on your fingernails Yeah. Yeah Well, especially sp-
1: with thumbprint recognition on your phone, you know, people could like S- oh, you get went a there. Me- I'm doing <laughs> it. Security <laughs> right. yeah. thumbprints. Yeah. There
3: we go. You can get my son's phone. Um, but yeah, no, we would be an adventure. We, yeah. What's it's- the
0: oldest one I have in my cellar? I got to think about that now. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Lucas started doing pretty much all of the hand printing with I would say the 2009 vintage. Pretty much, he started doing all of it mostly because my husband was doing it before then because he was the winemaker and he tore both of his rotator cuffs uh, and not so, doing the hand print. yeah because it's cross repetitive body motion. repetitive ah. motion cross body wow. it was stupid we ergonomically we set it up entirely wrong we fixed that but we're too late for my husband's shoulders so when, as soon as my son sort of graduated from college and came to work for the winery it was all over for my husband he's yeah. so happy to not do that anymore i bet so
1: i got to say, I've worked with Lucas before, your son, yeah. and he is always incredibly impressive. And I know that you get to be proud mom. I do. But he is so smart. He is very smart. And so fast with the brain. I can't imagine yeah, that was, was really easy. He No, no. <laughs> um, well,
3: no, He would I, be a I, challenging I,
4: person. That's a good way right? to put it, yeah. And I, but is, I, and I
1: totally
3: love him, but he is so smart. I just, yeah, he and, and his sister is... The same. Yeah. They are both frightening, and I, <laughs> I, 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 do my best to just. My, my parenting number one parenting skill was get out of the way. Hmm. That was my number one was like, get out of the way. Go be awesome. Go yeah. Ahead. Go be awesome. You're doing fine,
1: and I had very little to do with it.
3: But how does it make you feel that they're
1: involved so much and they are into what the winery is about?
3: It is a great blessing because. Um, if he had not been interested, I don't know if we'd still be making wine. Wow! It's uh, it's my husband's seventy six years old now, and so he was ready to move on. Um, he's still very involved. I mean, he's in the tasting room every day, and and Lucas consults with him, but it's pretty much Lucas's show now, and I am very proud of what he does. And I'm thrilled that he's doing it because I would have hated to have to go find a winemaker. Mm, right. You know, and, I'm, and it's you easy know. to, and it's funny, I tell people that um, he's my boss, which he sort of is. Um, but by the same token, I can tell him if I need a mental health day, you know, and I will stay home. And he pretty much can't say no, you know. On the other hand, I can't quit either. Yeah. I tried. <laughs> I have tried to quit and they won't let me.
1: Just do all so, the sales trips. Just yeah. get out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, do, I do, I
3: do, I do. I spend 20 to 30 weeks
1: on the road every year. Wow. It's a lot of work. It's a grind. And I don't think a lot of people really understand that about the wine business yeah. and how hard wine, wineries work yeah, to get themselves out into the markets when they're not part of a giant conglomerate. No. It's, it's very difficult. And
3: as we all know, the only way you have of cutting yourself out of the herd is the story you tell. It is getting people to identify with your story. Because there's, let's face it, there's a lot of really good wine out there. And there's a lot of really good small family owned wineries. So the only way you can make yourself different is by doing it and being there and telling a story that hooks their imagination and takes you on the road, takes them on the road with you. And that just is karma, I think, kismet. (laughs) You can't it's, pay a whatever. PR company for that. Right? No, no. <laughs> and that's right. So there's no substitute for the last name. Yeah, that's perfect. Sorry.
0: Wine auctions are always fun, especially ones like this, the Southwest Florida Wine and Food Fest, where you actually get to meet the owners and the winemakers. They pour the wine for you. You can have these one-on-one conversations, and you form friendships for a lifetime. They get loyal customers and fans in return for their wines. And at the end of the day, you know, we all come together for a greater cause, a greater good.
1: Yeah, in this case, it's the Children's Charities and Their Mental Health, which is finally getting attention mm-hmm. that it needs to make a difference in the lives of young people and their families. Uh, it's always um, it's nice to kind of – sometimes people look from the outside and like, oh, wine auction, look at the snobbiness. But actually, it really raises a lot of money. It does. All, all these things do. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's it's a, a lot of effort and um, a lot of really good wine, but it's also a lot of dollars that are sorely needed in the nonprofit arena. I agree. Arena. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we have something new to tell you about from Grape Minds. Gina and I want to hear from you. Mm-hmm. If you have a favorite wine story or a grape you want to know more about, you can now give us a call. We have what we are calling the grape line. (laughs) I love it. So what you do is you call in and there's an outgoing message saying, hey, you've reached the grape line. And then Grape line. Grape line. We need to get a little jingle. Yeah, we do. (laughs) And then you just kind of leave your message saying, hey, this is the thing that I want to know about. Leave your contact information, too, in case we want to call you back and ask you some questions Mm -hmm. back. Or if we want to get more information from you to find out exactly whether or not your wine is or is not corked (laughs) or what the problem (laughs) is. Right. So just
0: give us a call at 707-200-3632. Once again, that's 707 200 Three six three two.
1: The grape line. The grape line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can ask us any kind of question you want. What wine goes best with pancakes? Why do my teeth turn purple after drinking Malbec or Petite Syrah? Mm-hmm. Or why do my teeth not turn purple, but my friends do?
0: Yes. And what does that rooster on the bottle of
1: Chianti really mean? What's he doing there? I What's don't he know. alerting us to? Is it time to wake up and have Chianti for breakfast <gasps> with your pancakes? Now we're talking. I don't know. I don't know about that, but we'll maybe we can <laughs> delve into a pancake pairing in another podcast yeah some days it might make sense yes (laughs) (laughs) great minds is produced at wgcu studios on fgcu campus in fort myers florida our producer for online media is tara calligan technical production is by mike and
0: great minds theme music for zante's by colin Mannon. to get in touch check greatminds.org thanks for listening